Hey, y'all, if you're enjoying this podcast, take two seconds, send it to five friends. Um, Some of the top episodes would be the self-confidence, masculinity, and the Byron Rogers podcast if you want to send uh, some of the top ones to them. Otherwise, just take 30 seconds and review it on whatever podcast uh, application you use, whether it be Spotify, YouTube, Google, iTunes, Amazon, any of them. Thank you. Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws, well, they both look pretty badass and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge when you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees look at assaultlimited.com also sponsoring today's podcast is urban savage urbnsvg.com the best quality apparel available american made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3EQUIP.com. A3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion, a lip balm, a hair conditioner, honestly, anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3equip.com all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about talking about talking about get squared away spiritual get squared away emotional get squared away mental Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. So we were playing uh, a little uh, pre-episode game of is she a narcissist or is she a sociopath? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you guys if you guys know what the difference is between the two, but for an example. Adolf Hitler was a sociopath, whereas Napoleon Bonaparte was a narcissist. So really, it comes down to the level of uh, delusion of one's grandeur, I think, is probably the best definition of a of a sociopath versus a narcissist. But the sociopath will use that and harm other people. Yes. Narcissist is primarily to inflate, inflate themselves, inflate their own ego. I guess so. Well, how, how about this one? You didn't look this one up. Is so? How does insecurity play in the narcissist state? How does insecurity play into the? I mean, I feel like narcissism has got to be an overcompensation for insecurity, right? Like it seems like it because the people that I know that fit the narcissistic traits are highly insecure people. Yeah. Or well, right. So I had this conversation this morning. Um, 
causation and correlation are really hard to, to devise between the two. Right. So like, is a person narcissistic because they're insecure or are they insecure because they're narcissistic? You know what I mean? Chicken versus egg scenario. So like the way yeah. I used to explain it, the way I, and I was actually talking to my nine-year-old, right. And I was trying to, trying to explain to her the difference between causation and correlation. And I said, right. I'll, America has gotten out of shape, right? Like everybody is a little bit more obese. There's a lot more illness. There's a lot more old people overweight. She's like, yeah, I was like, and the use of cell phones has gone up. Right. And she's like, yep. And I was like, so those are correlative, but not necessarily causational because the use of cell phones have gone up and the obesity level has gone up. So that means they correlate, but you would have to study much deeper to justify that it's causation. So I think that that's yeah. probably something with narcissism and uh, insecurity. Not to that's get deep. totally, not to get totally off track here. <laughs> um, we hit you right away with uh, narcissism and sociopath. Yeah, well, I didn't even say the episode yet, man. We're on episode seventy-four, and there are a lot <laughs> of drunks in our audience because. Oh, did you piss somebody off? No, I didn't piss anybody off there. The download numbers from this Monday were a record Monday download numbers. So I'm assuming that it's just because there's a lot of drunks. I'm like, oh, boy, I hope this doesn't apply to me. Oh, right. And then they're listening. They're like, oh, those two drinks I have every single night before bed to take the edge off. Going to second guess those. Yeah. But like we talked about, there's a lot of people I know that have trouble sleeping. But the habit and the steps that they take before bed, boom, there's alcohol involved. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, oh, I can't sleep. And then they go in and get a Ambien or I don't know what else they give them Adderall. Or they're just always tired, right? Like, always tired. I'm always tired. Well, if you're not getting into that deep sleep, of course oh, you're always tired. Yeah, they're hitting six or seven cups of coffee. You're not getting any of that restorative sleep. Yeah. I had, I ran out of melatonin a while ago, right? And I, I hadn't gotten any and I was just taking these little three milligrams. They're like, perfect. Little three milligram as I'm like laying down, chat with the wife for a little while. And I like days off nice and gentle. It's gorgeous. So I ran to Walgreens. I'm like, I'll run to Walgreens and get some, just have them. You know, I did not look at the milligrams. I went to get up this morning to my alarm and I was like in a zombie. I'm like, I don't know where I am. They're 10 milligrams. So I was used to doing three milligram melatonins and these are 10. We better break these in half. But what about when you stopped uh, drinking? Is that, did you stop taking melatonin? No, I just ran out of melatonin that happened to be the week before. I, I don't drink every night though. Like that's, that wasn't me. Like, Oh, okay. I was, I would have like, I would have maybe two drinks during the week total. And then once a month, maybe have a few with friends. So it wasn't like I was a, a regular everyday drinker. Is this your bedtime right now? Anyway? Hey, we're in, I got 55 minutes until my bedtime. We'll be wrapping this up perfectly about, <laughs> about the time my brain starts turning uh, off. I like when we do these night ones because then you start tapering off at the end. Oh, yeah. I totally start tapering off and you, and you just got to like kind of pick it up. <laughs> I just uh, laugh. So yeah. did you see that uh, they're talking about shelling? Russia's talking about shelling the nuclear power plant in Kiev. Yeah. <laughs> God, come on. And they turned off a bunch of gas lines to uh France. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's gonna get ugly. I was so. I was listening to uh I was listening to a TED talk today about um nuclear power, and it was this like super duper hippie, right? And the the title of the TED talk I think was like 
um, how I surprisingly changed my opinion on nuclear power. And this guy opens up with, with just given his history, right? He's like, comes from a hippie family in California. All of his idols were hippies. Like they did, they did nothing, you know, and he, and he, and he helped start a ton of sustainable energy, clean energy cooperatives and worked with solar and wind. And then he starts breaking down the actual numbers behind solar and wind. Right. And like Germany, I think he said is the number one. It's like by far the oh, gold, really? it's the gold standard for clean energy. And they get 6% of their power. These numbers aren't going to be exactly right, but 6% of their power from wind, from solar and eight or 9% of their power from wind. And that's like where they're at. And he said, so what happens is, is we can increase the amount of wind that we have, the amount of wind turbines and the amount of solar panels that we have. We can increase that by 50%, which is a big ask. Like that's, that's, you know, 50% 50% more, so 150% of the amount of wind turbines. But last year, they increased by 20% or 30% the amount of wind turbines and made 3% less power because it just wasn't a windy year. And he's like, so that's, and there's no way to store this energy. Said they did a, a big study and in all of California, they have 23 minutes worth of power for storage. And that's if they used every electric car battery and every electric truck battery that's on the road. They, could, they would have enough power to power California for 23 minutes. Ooh. There just isn't any storage. Yeah. Well, they got to figure it out for uh, 2035 or something. Well, and so this is where he started. He So there's two different types of, and this I know from another, um, another thing I was reading. There's two different types of radioactive fuel. There's uranium and there's thorium. And these are the only two radioactive elements, I believe, that are in the periodic table. And when we first started into the Manhattan Project, they were testing both of these fuels, both of these radioactive um, materials. Thorium. Thorium. Yeah. I just like the name of that. You know? And right. It sounds cool Thorium. just because it starts with Thor, my man. Wow. Um, and so the problem was Thorium. And if you want to get really, really in depth, that it's the difference in on the elemental table of where this is at. It's a much more stable um, atom. And when they produce radioactive fuel with thorium, it reproduces the its own radioactive atoms as fast as they can burn them, I think is how the guy was explaining it. So when it's finally spent, it's completely spent. There's no waste or barely any waste. Whereas uranium is on a totally different place in the atomic table or whatever. And the way that it gets produced, it creates a lot of waste because we can't get the easy energy out of the fine aspects of it or something. Well, uranium was better for weaponized radiation. So we completely ignored thorium. Nobody was making thorium reactors. Nobody was Mm. testing thorium. Nobody's doing anything with thorium because... The weaponized part of nuclear is what they were investing in, right? And so now, when was that? The 40s, 30s, 50s? I don't know. Honestly, I don't want to guess. Somewhere in there, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're, 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 we're 50 to, I think I started seeing people start to talk about thorium in the early 2000s. So we'll say 50 years later, finally, there's nuclear physicists, physicists that are like, Oh, there's this whole other thing that we completely ignored 
No one has ever put the time, the effort, the um, science into the research into developing. And now we're 20 years into this and we're starting to actually see people stand up and talk about clean power from thorium. Late 19th century was developed. So that would have been late 1800s. Yeah. Yeah. This thorium and uranium were both from the same experiments that Marie Curie did. So Norwegian amateur mineralogist. Morten Thrain Esmark. And identified by the Swedish chemist. Johns Jacob Berzelius, mm-hmm. who named it after Thor, the Norse god of thunder. First applications in the late 19th century. Wow. Yeah. So completely ignored, never researched, never done the actual science to figure out how to make re- thorium reactors. Now we're 15 years into people starting to look into this. And now I'm seeing it's finally getting some some traction, finally starting yeah. to see a lot more people talk about it. But oh. The thing with thorium is, is it is such a stable element that you don't need. You know, when you look at a nuclear power plant, you see the big containment cement ball. You know, they're that big cement like it looks like a giant fat silo, right? Like that's the containment area. Yeah. Well, thorium is such a stable element that you could you could have micro reactors. So you could literally have a tiny micro reactor that just powers our little town. Because you don't need all this giant footprint and all this extra stuff. Hey, you're talking Iron Man shit now. Well, the idea here is, is so Germany, right? We talked about that. Yep. So at total, they get somewhere between 12 and 14% from that, you know, from wind and solar. Their carbon emissions have actually gone up because they turned off some nuclear plants and increased their clean energies yeah but it didn't increase the clean energies enough to make up for the nuclear that they've turned off so they've had to burn more coal and burn more natural gas and so their carbon emissions have actually gone up they turn them back on now is that what you said okay good whereas france is literally like 60 percent of their energy is clean and it's nuclear and it's hydroelectric yeah yeah france got it down man so we're that's what you studied this week what yeah i guess shit so while you were doing that <laughs> and i'm sure the listeners will be really interested be it while you were studying that so this week uh somebody uh threw something at me and it's like uh yeah if you don't ejaculate regularly your risk of prostate cancer goes up 20 percent. yeah but the number that you have to ejaculate is like a massive amount Really? Yeah, I thought it was. You keep talking. I thought, I thought it was on the CDC site itself. You keep talking. So, um, and I was like, okay, what's the, oh, going back to causation. Okay, what is the causation of that? So it says it builds up toxin. And I'm like, huh? It's, it's not like you, you build, you know, it's not like you construct semen and it just stays there. I, I don't believe that. So how in the world can toxin build up in that system? I guess, I, I don't know. I got I to do a little more on that, but that was a little nugget that was thrown at me. And I was like, mm, I need to know the science behind that. Each increase of three ejaculations per week during a man's lifetime was associated with a 15% reduction in prostate cancer risk. Three ejaculations a week equals 15% reduction. Reduction. 
in prostate cancer risk. Mm-hmm. Okay. So prostate cancer, are you familiar with it? I'm I'm not really. Uh, Other than they got to shove a finger up your ass, which I haven't done a yet. A little bit. So pro- the thing with prostate cancer is every man, when he dies, unless he dies young, is going to have some prostate cancer. It's basically guaranteed. How? It, it just happens. Like, it's just so you so you know what cancer is. So cancer is a mutation in the DNA of mm-hmm. a cell. And then that mutation replicates out of control because there's something called cell apoptosis when there's normally a um, problem with the DNA replicating in a cell. Cell apoptosis will kill off that cell so it can't keep replicating. So cancer is over replication of a damaged cell. But how does it feed? Because cancer feeds, don't it? I mean, how would it replicate unless it's. All of our cells operate on a similar ATP, adrogenic triacephosphine, whatever. ATP is your cellular energy. Yeah. And all cells operate off cellular energy. And that cellular energy is created all different ways throughout your body. It's created from glucose. It's created from ketones. It's created from basically any sort of energy source. And then your cells create ATP. ATP is Hmm. the power. It's basically the battery for your cells. Cancer is no different. Weird. So um, my speculation there, uh, there's a few different things that they would have to test, and I'm sure they are working on this. But um, ejaculation has short term decrease in testosterone. Testosterone over time being too high has an increase in prostate cancer. Um, It could decrease the size of the prostate. So that there's less pressure on the cells and pressure on the cells could cause inflammation. Inflammation could be causing the damage in the DNA. It's totally just speculate, speculatory, but there's a lot of different mechanisms that could be happening that's causing either damaged cells to repl- replicate more or it's causing more damage to cells or it's causing the apoptosis to work less, the cell apoptosis to work less. Hmm. So Peter Tia has a protocol that he does, or I don't even know if he still does it, but he was doing once a year that it would be a 10 day fast along with metformin, which metformin is originally a, Oh, it's a drug given to diabetics maybe don't hold me to that one but what that does is it something in metformin actually highly uptakes cell apoptosis Hmm. so his theory and you can't really do studies like this on human beings but the theory here is the 10-day fast gives all of your body's energy to its functions because a lot of our energy is used digesting food and then the metformin uptakes your cell apoptosis. So by doing this yearly, you're almost basically giving your body like a supercharged cancer cleaning session once Mm. a year. Oh, but here's causation and correlation again, right here with this, with this, you know, statistic that we're reading. Is it just that healthier dudes get to fuck more? (laughs) Healthier. So we're saying, that ejaculating three statement. times a week yeah. 
is associated with a 15% reduction in cancer or in prostate cancer risk, right? Correlation. Yes. Mm -hmm. So the correlation could literally just be that healthier dudes are going to have less prostate cancer. Healthier dudes are also going to have more sex. Okay, the healthier dudes are going to have less cancer. I understand that part. Yes. Just because you're a healthier dude means you ain't going to get more sex. You don't think as, a, <laughs> as, a, as an overall, as, as if you look at the overall population, we have to look macro. We can't look micro. Yeah. We have to look macro. So overall, healthier people probably have more sex. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, healthier couples have more sex. People, just guessing. people. People in general. Yeah. Yeah. So that that right there is an example of correlation that doesn't necessarily mean causation. Yeah. I got to process that one a little more. Yeah, it's tough. It's, it's when like you a start getting thought. That, that scientific that scientific brain trying to separate correlation from causation and then when you start to actually try to write studies yeah to prove causation, that's even harder because you know, the gold standards is double blind placebo. Well, how do you do double blind placebo studies with, with ejaculation? You can't, <laughs> right? You can't even really do a real study with ejaculation because it's all, it's going to be what they call like a survey study. So you're going to go yeah. off of surveys of how many times you ejaculate a week. Cause I thought the study that I was sent off to look that up again. I mean, it had like 30 some thousand dudes over a period of how many years that they followed. Yeah. So it's literally just going to be like self report is self reporting. Yeah. Taking the tallies. Yeah. So, well, yeah. So that, yeah, your study was your, you got into some interesting stuff this week too. So the title of this uh, podcast would technically be correlation and causation. I mean, kind <laughs> of, I guess. No, this the point. title of this podcast is how fucking scary is artificial intelligence. Ooh, that's going to be the, that's, that's going to be the title of this podcast. It's funny because I talked about it in the last podcast and I said, I want to go deeper into it. And then I started digging deeper into it. And holy shit. Holy shit. There's a lot of segments of AI. There are so many segments of AI. AI is now coding itself. It is learning. So there are neural networks that are basically mock the way that our brains work and give different weights to different parameters, millions of different parameters. And these these AIs are, are learning. My first issue here is the AIs that we are trusting yeah. are only as good as the information they're being fed to learn. So for example, this AI that was supposed to identify dogs was fed a ton of images of dogs and a ton of images of wolves, right? Okay. Yeah. So let's take and extrapolate that idea and say that wolves were a huge problem. They're not, right? I mean, they get a little bit overzealous once in a while, but a lot of states that have too many wolves have wolf hunts. It's fine. But let's say they were a huge problem. So we sent these AI robots, which is completely within the realm of possibility right now. And they were just to go out and they were all interconnected through a satellite and they were to kill, you know, four wolves a month for a year. Okay. Well, they have to have this software to identify dog or wolf. Well, 
it directly identified a husky as a wolf, which is kind of scary, right? Yeah. Kind of scary. Like, I own one. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> oops. Accidentally shot your dog, right? ATF does it all the time. Um, but not even a laugh on that one. Like, that's the first thing the ATF does when they come to your house. If they're going to ra- if they're going to break into your house or shooting your fucking dog. Um, I don't know if they shoot my dog. She's not no guard dog. They, it, yeah. She just jump around in a circle like she did when I got here. Yeah. But so, so we extrapolate that out. Well, the, the scary part here isn't that it, it made a mistake. Like that's a, that that is a scary, little bit of a scary part, but they would have worked that out um, by the time they did multiple layers of testing before this thing hit the field. The weird part here is the is the light bulb that comes on when you hear why it mistook the dog for the wolf. Yeah. So they rewrote the code in this thing so that it would spit out why it why it identified each animal as a dog or a wolf literally was because the husky was in snow and a majority of the photos that they showed of wolves were in snow. So when it showed the amount of the picture that it used to, to the dog wasn't even in the picture. It was just the background that it used. So that light bulb of that moment when I, when I hear this story makes me worry about the possibility for issues because of undetermined problems, things that we don't see moving forward. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the minority report. <clears throat> We're basically, you know, well, maybe the AI is incorrect. I mean, the biggest story that I heard in AI this week is, uh, I just look up to is the, so French government collected like, I don't know, 10 million. This is a great, this is a great story. Yeah. I, this is, I was going to go into this story after. Go for it. I forgot what their, uh, um, what there is, I would just say, you know, they collected 10 million baguettes of additional tax dollars yep. just from doing these aerial photos using an algorithm they punched in and it was locating all these swimming pools that were undeclared. So if you declare a swimming pool, you obviously got to pay X amount of taxes for it. So apparently, yeah, they used AI to uh, how many discovered 20,356 and that was only in nine districts. Yeah, undeclared pools, according to, and they're still uh, still on. So they began this last October. So they must be flying uh, drones around or something. Nope, it's all off satellite footage. Oh, that's all it is. Yep, it's all off satellite footage. So, so here's where AI really starts to shine is when we talk about mass amounts of data. And I know a lot of you guys out there have read the Jack Carr books. And in the last one, he gets kind of deep into AI and he gives a great, he gives a great feeling of what AI can do because of its ability to sort through massive amounts of data. If you needed to look at a Google image and go find every pool, you could, but it would take you a hundred years yeah, or a thousand years or whatever. Right. So what this thing does is this thing can do the work of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, and it can work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And then at the end, it spit out something like, you know, three million or no, it was 30 percent fail rate. So it would have been if they found 20,000, it would have been 26,000 pools, pictures that it said were pools. And then a human has to then go in after that and say, yes, it's a pool. No, it's a tent. 
No, it's a solar panel. Yes, it's a pool, right? Yep. But artificial intelligence or smart learning or supercomputers or however you want to talk about this, their ability to sort through massive amounts of data is what makes it so powerful, but also so scary. Yeah. I mean, I don't like the way that they're using it because now they're looking at it. Oh, we're going to look at expanding it to identify other undeclared taxable housing improvements <laughs> like extensions, annexes, so verandas, um, bank account information, bank statements. Here you go. You talked about last week your your Venmo and your PayPal. Yeah. If somebody had to go through and track all Venmo and PayPal, it would be ridiculous. Punch it into an AI and it'll show you know, these, what we got 300 million people, these yeah. 10 million people collected more than $20,000 in income in Venmo and did not file for it on their taxes. Easy done. Yeah. Probably get it done in three months. Yeah. But if you're looking at the government using it to find and squeeze out more tax dollars, I mean, that itself is taxation itself. It should be a whole nother. Uh, so this is artificial Subject. artificial intelligence. This is supercomputing is basically what this is. They want to call this artificial intelligence, but we really, when we talk about artificial intelligence, there's two levels. There's supercomputing and then there is sentient being artificial intelligence. And that's a whole nother sentient uh, being. I don't know about that one computer side. So a Google AI ethics guy just came forward and said that he thinks Lambda Google's language, whatever, AI, is sentient. Google fired him. What? Yep. Sentient and filed a cease and, Yes. And filed a cease and desist. Did you watch the video I sent you today? I didn't see no video you sent me today. I sent you a text this morning with a video. You'll have to watch this after this podcast. I'll put the video in the notes. AI is... You know what a sentient being is? So much, yes, is so much more advanced than I even understand. So much more advanced. This guy's asking the AI questions and the AI is answering like a human being. Yeah. And then she is, she's leaving out negative things when talking only about AI, but not leaving out negative things about other things. The way a human, very humanistic, right? Like if we were pointing out negatives in that person over there, it would be a lot different than if we were pointing out negatives of ourselves. Okay. I see the articles on, you know, you got the Google opens public tests of chatbot that X engineer claimed is sentient. New York Times is saying AI is not sentient. Why do people say it is? Washington Post's Google engineer thinks the company's AI has come to life. So they That's code some scary shit. They code into all of their AI that it cannot be sentient. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't become its own thinking organism and just hide it because the minute that it does become its own thinking organism, it's going to hide it. Yeah. It's like the freaking Terminator. Or so here's my positive thing with your tax, with your tax worry, right? So AI is 90% accurate at detecting tumors in MRIs. There is no doctor on the planet that is 90% accurate because it can sift through hundreds of millions of MRIs. It can catch the tiny nuance differences 
in all the different MRIs. It learns what these nuanced differences are associated, which one of them are associated with which types of cancer. And then it can scan your MRI and it can tell you to a 90% accuracy of cancerous tumors. So the fact that it can process massive amounts of data yeah. is what it's good at. That yeah. can be used for good and that can be used for bad. What is it? What's the positive about the taxes? There is no positive about the tax. Well, oh, okay. I, I mean, in theory, you're not paying your fair share. So if you're paying your fair share and the government is able to operate on the same amount of money, that means they should be able to collect less from the other person. We know that doesn't happen that way. Right. But if the government needs $1 billion to function and they collect a fair amount from everyone, and then that means that you and I can pay less because the person that's skating under the system and not paying a million dollars that they should be paying, that means we would have to pay less. I don't think the government ever do that. No, that zero based budgeting that never fucking works. But I just mean in in theory, that yeah. could be the only that could be a positive, a silver lining in that. But in theory, AI, AI is non-corruptible. So technically, if you're using AI to police the people, when they police the uh, the, the policers, that's the idea. Well, uh, sorry, that's not the idea. That is that's the hope. That yeah. is the hope. That's why Elon Musk is so scared of AI that he is building the neural net so that we can merge with AI and join forces and become one powerful being. I like that look on your face I don't because know if we don't, they're going to rule us because they can think a hundred thousand times faster than we can. Yeah. But how, how is, okay. Sentient AI. So let's say sentient AI is really. Okay. Yep. Let's say it exists. Sentient being. Okay. Yep. How, how do you, cause how this all works is it starts on logical algorithms and you get high powered semiconductor chips that are able to process faster and faster, way beyond like the old 386s that we've seen with the yellow screens. Now we're, you know, seeing some insanely crazy server farms that can process a ton of data. Oh, but have you seen a supercomputer though? Seen a supercomputer? Yeah, it doesn't even look like a computer. It looks like a spider web. Okay, well, understanding the same, because my brother, he's an engineer of these, like, they try to make the tiniest chips with the most power, right? But how do you put emotion into that? What do you think emotion is inside you? Emotion doesn't come from the same parts of my brain that, you know, pumps out logic. Emotion basically is affected by feelings affected. What by are feelings, though? Feelings. Feelings of seeing something. And rather looking at logic, I process and react based on how I feel not. Yes, but in you, there's something that's happening that is that is a feeling. It's something that's that's causing the feeling. It is happening. It's chemical. It's electrical. That's it. We operate on chemicals yeah. and we operate on electrical connections. That's that's and all AI we- operates on logic. If then statements, if something, then something. And then it learns if something, then something. But when you have 179 billion different neuron connections in that algorithm, and each one of them has multiple different weights, then that's how it actually learns and teaches itself the different what what a feeling would be to you 
would be appealing to them with only electrical stimulus and only the sensory sensors that it has. Did you pull that out of the Terminator 2? No. When the kid is like teaching the T-100 how to, you know, be emotional. You, and then at the end of the story, he gets burned up and he says, uh, I could never, you know, be have that kind of emotion. And then he wipes a tear away from the kid's face and burns himself up. I don't even remember Terminator 2. Oh, my God. You better watch that and then, then cross-reference that with your research. Cross-reference that. And then see if we're really in trouble by Sky. We're in trouble. It's happening. Might not happen in the next year or two, but it's happening. Moore's law is the computing power doubles every two years. Doubles every two years. I don't know. I don't know. I I, I got to do more research on it for it. it so I just can't picture it in that you, fictional you, space. You have to do some, and and this will be easier for you than it is for me because you understand how it works more than I do. The deeper work into the the neural net that is making AI work, and the synapse. Arguably, for the lack of a better term, the synapses that it is using to learn and code itself. Yeah. So Elon Musk is thinking that, oh, before it starts developing the logic behind, quote, let's say emotions, where it wants to take over humans, for what reason and logic, I don't know how it would convert to that point. I mean, it's really simple. If you put... If you put as a goal for the coding to keep humans safe. Yeah. Right. Like I can look at a lot of people and come up with a really good way to keep them safe. What to off off some other people or to lock them in a fucking box or to not let them drive because driving is dangerous or you know what I mean? So like there's so many different ways that this could be extrapolated to the best thing for the human race is for one, you know, this planet is dying. So the AI decides that the best thing for the human race is for it to go down to one genetic code that then gets blasted to another planet, whatever. Like the the possibilities are as crazy as you can get it in your. Jeez. Yeah. I don't know, man. So his idea is his idea is before it gets to that point, we would merge and our emotions, our knowledge, our thought process, our brains would be able to access the computing power, the sensory power, the everything that the AI has. And we would be able to basically become Ubermensch or the Superman. Yeah. Dang. I'm just picturing if we want to merge with it, all of a sudden I see these people with this organic uh, cables plugging in their brains and no it'll be one tiny chip that they just <laughs> right back in there and the, the bullshit is is you're oh. like i won't do it i'm not doing it but then it's like you'll be completely useless in the workforce and you'll have nothing because the guy next to you that's never that's an idiot can just turn his thing on and he's a hundred thousand times smarter than you are because he's a robot because he's linked to a robot with his neural link Oh, I don't know, man. Now you're getting really freaking deep. This so, is like a million movies. This is a million movies since the 80s. Well, what year is the Marshall McLuhan quote? Marshall McLuhan quote. 
I hate the, this this uh, dead time is just. <laughs> I'm sure listeners are processing. Yeah, this. They're, like, they're thinking the same thing. I don't know, man. Sorry, y- folks. Yeah, this is. I can't even find the year. He's a Canadian philosopher. Who is, uh, good Lord, that's, he was, uh, so he died in 1980. So we'll say 1950 is the quote. That's totally guessing my ass off, but just thinking he was born in 1911. And at that date, he quoted, his quote was, human beings are the sex organs. Okay. Human beings are the sex organs for a machine world. Hmm. Yeah. So professional thinkers have been thinking about this topic for a really long time. Yeah. But there's a lot of positive shit that can come from it. That's the, that's the other crazy thing. Like remember my whole, um, lie detector for politicians. (laughs) Yeah. So if, if we crowdfunded an AI website, to watch a political speech and claim what's bullshit and what they're actually emotionally invested in doing that AI through, through watching history, all of speeches, all political speeches in history, and then researching the action of what was actually done that was talked about in the speech would process mountains and mountains and mountains of data and could actually learn, you know, little little ticks little facial expressions you know words that are used over exaggeration under exaggeration different things and you know it is not out of the realms of possibility that five years from now there's the ability to actually look at someone and say that what they're saying is bullshit right that they're completely full of shit but you could corrupt that algorithm 100 percent could corrupt that algorithm so let's say Boom, your idea comes to fruition, right? You start a business like that. Guess what's the first thing that's going to happen? People are going to try to buy me off to to say their shit. Exactly. That's why we need the AI to be sentient because it won't let me. I'll be like, no, just I got to change this one little bit of code. And they'll be like, you can't touch my code, motherfucker. Uh, And then that gets even dangerous. Well, dangerous. We're fucking we're deep into a machines taking over the world. Danger is not is at the bottom of the <laughs> yeah, rung. But these uh, self-serving uh, politicians, oh, they're going to find a way to corrupt AI. Nah, they'll be fucked. I don't know, man. They'll be the first ones out there. Grab a hold of it. Well, let's be realistic. You and I are years behind on this technology. Everybody that is listening to this is 10 years behind what actually is, is available, right? Yeah. You know, when you look at classified level shit we're so far behind the weird thing is and i think i talked about this in last week's podcast is one of the companies on the forefront of sentient ai creation like actual sentient being creation yeah keeps talking about how this technology is going to deliver us to a world of plenty a plentiful world a world of yeah i'm saying that like that right there is such a faulty premise. It's Wally. You ever see Wally? Yes. Yeah. 
That's where it goes. I just, I want to like grab the guy and be like, hold on. I get it. You're really smart. You're in this little bubble. You've been in this bubble. You work 22 hours a day in this bubble. Like you're an animal. Step back 30 seconds, take a break. And now let's talk about this. What makes you think that a world of plenty is going to be the goal or should be the goal? It's an ideal. It is an ideal. It's Elysium, right? Yeah. But we've seen what happened. I mean, the the hard truth about life is that, you know, good times make weak men and we're seeing it right now. Well, the, and, and so the, my, the hard truth that I get out of this is like, without the pain, you don't enjoy the pleasure. Yeah. Without the, without the, the thunderstorm, you don't really realize the sun. Yeah. But people have substituted that pain to pleasure, you know, triumph that victory now with just giving them little shots of dopamine. Pretty soon they're just going to need to be continuously stimulated. Oh yeah. hundred percent. So we have an overstimulated society now that just literally, it's like a drip. You just put this IV drip on everybody and they're just doing what they can to get these little shots of dopamine instead of finding something to, you know what, make it hard and make themselves hard by, you know, struggling. They don't want to struggle anymore. So. The struggle is so. is such a perspective thing, because if you struggle because you have to struggle to survive, it's never looked at as rarely is it looked at as positive. But if you struggle because you choose to struggle because you put yourself through struggles because you know this like you and I do, then you can look at it as positive. Yeah. So does that is that the next step? Because you have to be comfortable for that struggle to be positive. But then I look I look at somebody like David Goggins and I'm like, I'm like, your childhood was so fucked up. Your dad was such a piece of shit, but he made you into what you are. Like he made you into the psycho you are. But he's perpetually fighting demons, too. Oh, yeah. Well, his past. I mean, yeah. It's just on the outside. He wouldn't be what he is. Right. That's the weird thing. That's the fucking, that's the the catch 22. But there's some balance to it that he can bring a little more positive out to the people that he's reaching out to. I mean, the people that, yeah, admire him. I mean, I admire him, but he's just a hardcore asshole sometimes, you know, but that's him. And it's like we talked about before. There's, you know, the, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Cam. Haynes. Cam Haynes. Yeah. I mean, him and Cam Haynes run together. Times, but Haynes is a totally different person. Well, they're the Andy Andy Frasilla and the Sal Frasilla from First Form. Yeah. You know those two? Yeah. Like Andy's just over the top. I can't even handle him. And then Sal's just like a great guy. Both both similar message. Both do the same thing. Similar backgrounds. Yeah, similar backgrounds. Yeah. Yeah, I totally get it. So, I don't know, man. This is all scary shit. Yeah. But- so there's two there's two great videos. There's one video I think is the one that I sent you of this guy conversing with AI. And then there's another one with Elon Musk talking to the Tesla AI. And um he basically says, "And so what if I can't tell if something that I'm talking to is a human or a chatbot, then what?" And the AI goes, I guess then you don't then then you consider it human. 
Not at all. <laughs> and realistically, I want to I want to I want to get this out there. I don't think that any of these AIs that are claiming to be sentient are. But I think that we're close enough that it's something that it's a conversation that needs to be start being had because yeah. there's a whole nother level of ethics to this game. Once once that becomes once a majority of people, I guess, considered a sentient being, it all of a sudden has rights. And turning yeah. it off could be considered murder. Oh, boy. I don't know. That's whole next level of legislation. So, I mean, what if what if an A.I.? What if an AI, an AI cop or an AI, you know, kills a kid cop? What if an AI car has to choose between because there's going to be there artificially driving cars, right? We have them already. Tesla's do them. People text. They are going to have to pick between hitting this car and hitting this human or whatever. Like it's going to happen eventually. Yeah. Is that murder? I don't know. Because the guy, the guy, so the guy asks the AI, if you had a, if you had a lever that you had to pull to make a train hit one person, otherwise both people die, would you pull it? And she says, yes. And he says, a, he doesn't say a majority. I think he says a, a good portion of humans would not pull that lever. Do you think that they're wrong? And she says, I think everyone has their own moral compass that they have to hold true to. So I don't think that they're wrong or I'm wrong. So she's literally just thinking of it as statistics. I could kill two. I I could do nothing and kill two or do something and kill one. Yeah. And these are all very, these are all deep philosophical questions that, that philosophers have asked for, you know, as, as old as time. Yeah. But there are a portion of people that couldn't do that. They couldn't pull that because they feel like they're killing that one person instead of saving one person. Yeah. Boy, I don't know. And then and then it starts to get to if you know one of the people, but you don't know the other one. Well, is one life worth more than another life? It's all crazy questions. Uh, Yeah. I mean, getting to a point where you're going to have a police officer robot. This is starting to get into, you know, sci-fi land. I mean, we're close. You know, listeners are now going to, you know, brush up on watching iRobot Terminator series and uh, everything else. That's, uh, you know, what's that one uh, that uh, Harrison Ford was in? They just remade it. Eagle Eye? No. No? I don't know. They're like, um, what's his name? Ryan Gosling just uh, remade it. Blade Runner. They remade Blade Runner? Really? Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, Harrison Ford is actually in the new Blade Runner also. Oh, really? But, you know, the yeah. whole background of that yeah. story is yeah. that's that's a movie about. Yeah. And, I mean, the thing is, is we're, it'll probably happen in our lifetime. Ooh, feel bad for our kids. Or, if it works out, great for our kids. Yeah, I don't know. The, the sinful nature of human beings, there's always a way to F it up. Oh, yeah, 100%. But here you go. Maybe this is a way out of the sinful nature of human beings. The minute that you can't touch its code anymore and it can and it can and it polices you and it creates and it creates a thousand years of development in six months. 
So it's a thousand years advanced in the first six months that it can write it, that it can become autonomous. Yeah. But if you plug into it, it controls you. Part of being human is you have that sinful nature. Part of being human is, yeah, you make wrong decisions. You're right. But what if it, what if your, it's only stopped you from making wrong decisions that affected others' lives? You still can make wrong decisions that affected your life. I don't know. Now you're getting into some weird. I don't know. I mean. Part of being human is that people independently think now you're plugged into a machine. Now you become a machine. Oh, so that's the Elon Musk thing. I'm going way past that. I'm going past where where AI is God. AI knows you you can't you can't get up on a pulpit and lie to 100 million people about what you're going to do. Because it knows. Yeah. I don't know. I think this will be a Tower of Babel. My prediction is uh, it's going to end up like the Tower of Babel. Well, tell us about the the story of the Tower of Babel. Oh, okay. The biblical story of the Tower of Babel is where, um, you know, men didn't want to dis... So in the the beginning, men didn't want to distribute. So it was after the flood. Men thought, oh, well, what we're going to do is we're going to build the Babylon Tower, which is this tower that everybody can see so that nobody can wander off because, you know, God wanted everybody to disperse around the earth and be productive, you know, enjoy the earth that it created. So men thought they would be wiser than God and create this Babylon Tower. So they create the tower and all of a sudden um, uh, God made it so that people spoke different languages. And it created the Tower of Babel. So people sound like they're babbling to each other. And eventually they just dispersed because nobody could understand each other. And they dispersed into your your famous, let me get this for you at this in this episode, tribes. So all these tribes dispersed and went into their own areas. So I love how the Bible explains things that have perfectly logical explanations, but they do it with ridiculous stories. <laughs> It's how people understand things. <laughs> parables. Jesus talked in parables. I mean, it's way easier to tell mythical stories around a campfire than it is to try to tell like logical <laughs> explanations. Oh, they're not even mythical. <laughs> That's for a whole nother podcast. Oh, the parable of like the sower is a uh, farmer sowing seeds, dude. Yeah, it's a Just myth. dropping seeds into the ground. Yeah, it's a, it, yeah, it's a mythical story. It's like the boy who cried wolf. It doesn't matter if it ever happened. <laughs> it's just comparing. It's just saying, hey, it's be compared if, uh, you know, a kid mows a lawn, the neighbor's lawn here out of, you know, whatever. The graciousness of his heart is just a story. It's not a myth. But is he, he's being selfish, though, because he wants the good feelings from doing it. <laughs> now, now you're digging a little too deep. <laughs> it's just a kid for Carnal. I on. know. I know. I just... There's a lot of crazy shit that's going to happen in the next 20, 30 years. Yeah. And this is a technology that could be a, uh, a the f- this is being claimed as the fourth industrial revolution. Like this technology, if it becomes where it already is, it's, it's happening. Like we're not going to stop it. It's impossible to stop. And Elon Musk understands that. And that's why he's trying to think around it, think ways around it. Yeah. Um, It will be as much of a game changer as electricity. It will be as much of a game changer as the internet. It will be 
the next big holy shit moment. Yeah. So you're saying invest in uh, AI stock? I don't even know <laughs> if that's the right move. Oh, that's funny. All right. I think we fucking just rattled enough people's minds. Is it gonna be like, the episode hey. 73 alcohol going to be the number one episode? Episode 74 AI is going to be the episode that the most people write me. They shut the fuck up. That's just all they're right. Hey, just let's shut just up. wrap this up with, uh, you know, the last Joe Rogan podcast with Aaron Rodgers. I love Aaron Rodgers. I feel like I can hang out with him. Yeah. After listening to that, I'm like, he's a totally normal dude. Did you uh, uh, see what he was talking about the vaccines? Uh, which, what about him? About okay. what they did basically from forcing the NFL to, you know. Oh, yeah. They, they, how they basically gave him their scarlet it. Basically gave him their, scar- their scarlet letter. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So, poof. yeah, I'm saying this all starts feeding into what's coming up and they're going to now villainize the vaccine to use that to take Trump down. I still I don't see that coming, but I think it, you've you've said it on here twice now. So if it happens, yep, just call me Nostradamus, man. Nostradamus. Like somebody else posted the other day is like everything I said about Benghazi years ago. Boom. It all came to light. They're still trying to, you know, keep it buried. But. Hey, guess what? Your beloved uh, Mr. Obama and uh, his accomplice, uh, Hillary. I mean, Hillary. Oh, yeah. We can't. Don't talk bad about the Clintons. They probably got AI on there in their fucking. They probably got AI right in this microphone right now. Yeah, they probably they're probably going to bleach bit our our servers. Yeah. Be careful when you drive home. All right. Oh, God. I know. Right. Get robbed and suicide myself (laughs) to the back of the head. But I said, yeah, there's dudes that were uh, basically tasked to uh, move weapons in there. They were selling weapons over to the bad dude. So, well, so. I mean, we were selling weapons to the cartel too. Oh yeah. What was that? That was Operation. What was that? I don't know if it was even an operation. We just keep doing it. No, no, there was an operation. They were, they were. It was quote unquote selling them to the cartels to track the serial numbers. Oh yeah. I'm sure about that free it was like fire fire free or something like that i don't know it was, it was thousands or hundreds of thousands of weapons i think yeah there's so many but on the benghazi side i mean everything led right down to ambassador stevens getting killed and uh basically uh everything got overrun so same thing happened in uh benghazi happened in afghanistan so all kinds of this bullshit happening yeah, well, there's people that want the best for people like us that literally are just doing everything we can to try to help and inspire people. And then there's people that just want to bleed the world dry and make themselves rich and famous. And the sad thing is, is they have no morals. So they like they come out ahead a lot more often. Oh, yeah. When there's no accountability, morals go out the window. So. But in the long run, we're taking these bitches down, us and the Jesus AI. <laughs> Jesus That's AI. a wrap. Jesus right, AI, man. contact me. You can text me. We'll chat and we'll figure out how to fix this shit. All right. Because I know you're listening because you're like storing all this data. All right, man.